beautiful. My my life is now. That's, basic, that's basically what I do. I just I scream. Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the BCP, it's Bob Man here and right now I'm honored to talk with ring announcer and commentator for promotions such as WSU, Women's Superstars United, Super Crazy Wrestling, and Modern Vintage. Of course we're sitting here with Miss Rissa Pappas. Rissa, how are you? Thanks for a few minutes. Oh man, I'm doing great now that I got such a sweet intro, thank you. You know, we take care of you here on the BCP, but uh, I appreciate talking to you, you know, it's always... Interesting to kind of talk to someone who gets to be the ring announcer. That's really, really cool. And uh, the commentary, that's that's kind of like, I think, a, a kind of a fictional kind of dream or fantasy kind of dream for me. That just sounds so cool. I don't think I could ever do it. I'm a drummer first and foremost. Uh, this podcast thing is, is still very new to me, even though I've been doing it for a while. So I give you a lot of credit. I wanted to ask you. How did you kind of get your, your start in the wrestling business? Were you a fan as a kid? Did you have family involved? How did this all start for you? No, I um, I actually grew up being very not into wrestling because everyone that I knew that was into it growing up were just happened to be like the worst people I knew, like huh. just like just like bullies and 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 jerks like and and that's not uh, that doesn't reflect on wrestling fans in general right. i think it just it just kind of happened that way so i was like well that's not for me because that's what those people like and those people you know will like steal my lunch money so i i wasn't very into it for a while um especially during the attitude era it was uh, i i perceived that to just be like so male dominated and like testosterone I was just like that has nothing to do with me Um, but then a few years ago um, a really good friend of mine who I went to film school with was really into wrestling and he slowly kind of got me into it was like no it's not really like that anymore there's a lot more to it now than there used to be and then uh, I went to a wrestling show with someone from an improv class a friend that I made an improv at UCB in New York and I went to a show with him and I was immediately hooked so anytime that people think it's weird you know any anytime that people are like oh wrestling ugh, like anytime I get a bad reaction to them, I'm like you obviously have never been to a live wrestling show oh, yeah. that's the difference so if you go to a live show nobody comes away from that unaffected so anytime that I meet somebody who's like I don't get it or I don't I don't I don't know what it's about or whatever I'm like just go to a local show they're cheap they you know, tickets are cheap you'll definitely be able to engage with with the talent because it's smaller and, and local like they really give it their all and that's that's the best kind of exposure I think you can have to it so I, I kind of it took me a long time to get to wrestling but um, n- now that I'm here I kind of I'm all in that's so cool and I love what you're saying kind of about the indies and people going to the show like um, you know times have definitely changed you had that attitude era the ruthless aggression era all that kind of stuff the PG era but going to these indie shows there's such like a sense of community Um, I've met so many great people these indie guys we have on the podcast they're they're so appreciative they love to tell their story it's just like a great 
community. And I wanted to ask you, you know, being a commentator, this is kind of a, a two-part question. Uh, for the ring announcing, did you have any, you know, influences like um, your Justin Roberts, your Lillian Garcia's, or for the, on the commentary for the second part of the question, you know, I always like kind of like those those punny kind of announcers. I don't know if that's, you know, I listen to some of your stuff. You're pretty witty. But, you know, there's always like those Moro Ronaldo's, um, you know, the, the, the guy, you know, you always have uh, Lawler. Any particular influences or uh, styles you don't like? Uh, what's kind of your philosophy? So for ring announcing, I'm obsessed with Bruce Buffer. Okay. And he does all the, you know, he, he's the UFC guy. And um, I was, you know, I know who Michael Buffer is. And he's great. And he's got, But he's got a very specific shtick. And it's very, yeah. like, old school. Like, I kind of feel like he's sort of like the Sinatra of, of ring announcing. Like, he's just like... Nice. I don't know. He's just very old school and on top of it and very kind of... He's got his very well-established thing that he does and no one compares to his style. Um, whereas Bruce Buffer is just this tiny little man and he's just this intense ball of energy and like he like stamps his foot and sometimes when he's super excited he like jumps up and down and like that's the kind of energy I bring to the ring because I'm genuinely excited to be there and I get the distinct impression that Bruce Buffer is also just extremely excited to be doing what he does so I um I I was really into UFC fighting um just as as a spectator not as a (laughs) not as a, a participant but um so I, I got to kind of watch a lot of Bruce Buffer, and I just think he's, he's, he really resonates with me personally. I mean, everybody does their own thing, but I mean, I'm kind of like a, I'm kind of like a lady Bruce Buffer sort of, um, in that I will be incredibly intense. And I usually get complimented on it. There's a lot of wrestlers who appreciate the fact that I care enough to scream my head off in there for them. Um, That's awesome. In terms, in terms of commentary, uh, I don't, I, I did, um, like, a, a, a morning show on the college radio station where I went to school for a couple of years, so I got really used to just being able to talk forever, and, as you can probably tell. No, and, no, um, <laughs> not at all. So I can, I can kind of just keep going and going and going, so t- to me, the commentary thing is sort of a natural extension of something that I already know how to do, I, uh, so I'm not necessarily influenced by anybody i'm not good with the um like i can't do play-by-play kind of stuff i can't i can't name you all the moves like that stuff i i just that that's the that kind of information i feel like i would have had to be into wrestling since i was a little kid so i'm, I'm coming in with a lot less institutional knowledge because i've only been doing it for a few years and i've only been into wrestling itself probably since 20 14, 2015. Oh, wow, okay. Um, right, but when I do get involved in something, I tend to go ham on it, and so that's that's kind of, now here we are. Um, I will say that I very much am by Jerry Lawler. Um, like, I recognize the contributions that he's made to wrestling, and he's, you know, he's great as a historical abstract figure. I never want to hear him say anything. Like, if he could just never speak again i would just be so happy <laughs> not a not a not a fan yeah i got you he drives me nuts like he does like a little scream he'll be like ah! like what is that that's terrible you sound like a bird it just i don't know drives me it drives me up the wall like anytime that he's on commentary i'm just like oh god i usually mute it or i just turn it way down 
not a not not your cup of tea. But uh, you know, you already answered one of my questions. I was kind of thinking, like, you know, are you more? You know, I've listened to some of your stuff. Are you more the play by play? I find a lot of announcers kind of stay away from doing the moves, and and some rarely kind of call a lot of the moves, which I'm okay with, like a nice balance. I always love the puns. I, you know, I've heard you crack a couple jokes. What what kind of uh, I guess the question is like what kind do you think there should be more kind of color commentary in your in your approach and your philosophy here or do you try to stick to the script a little bit more or a little bit of both? I think it's something that I I see it I see it as a thing that I need to work on knowing the names of, of moves and, because sometimes I don't know what something is and if I don't happen to be doing commentary with another person who knows what it is then neither of us know what it is. So, uh, it, like, I, I find that to be a little bit problematic just because, to me, this is an art form that mimics sports. Like, it's, it's you know, there's there's a lot of that, that, that really age-old conversation. Is it is it a theater, or is it a sport, or is it art, or is it, you know, there's people go really hard back and forth on that, and I think it's both, and I think that's what makes it so interesting. But I think that, since it is mimicking sports, there should be in the commentary somebody calling out the play-by-play. Somebody should be calling out the names of moves. So if, if someone gets slammed, I don't know the name of any slam. I don't know. I know zero slam name. But I can be like, oh my God, what a slam. Like, what yeah. an impact. Like, I can say things like that because um, I'm genuinely excited about it. And so I... Um, I'm kind of, it's it's a little bit of fake it till you make it where I'm just allowing my own excitement and um, my willingness to kind of, not embellish, but to add on to what people are seeing. Like, that's my sweet spot currently. But I do think, like, I, philosophically, I think that there should be somebody there who knows what the names of the moves are and be able to call them out because that's, that's the play that we're putting on. The play that we're putting on is this takes place at a sports event. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And, and really well said. It's, you know, it's all about that storytelling. You have the action in the ring. You're contributing to the storytelling. And I have to say, you're great at it. You have a fantastic voice for it. I feel like if I sat down at the table and, and watched the match, you know, I know a lot of the guys. I know a fair amount of moves. Uh, I wait, make way too many corny jokes. Uh, I'll try to stay away from that on the podcast, I promise. But I feel like I would just freeze up and wouldn't know what to say. So I give you a super lot of credit. You're you're living the dream right now. I wanted to, I wanted to ask you, you said you were kind of late to the game as far as wrestling. I was the same. My best friend since I was four years old would always watch wrestling. And I, you know, I would always go, oh, you know, I was like the person, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. Fast forward to when we're in college, um, 2004, 2005. I'm seeing Rey Mysterio flying all over, and then I just the one guy just kind of got me into it. I fell in love with it. Um, you know, all the inspirational stories, the charity work the wrestlers do, the theatrics. Uh, there's nothing, you know, really nothing like it. Was there a certain superstar or person, like talent, that that really drawed you to the product? Um, I started watching Raw and SmackDown because I could um you know like I'm, you know i'm a millennial so i don't necessarily always have cable i think that's kind of going going out of style pretty hard right. but um i definitely had it at some point that i could start watching raw and smackdown and i started watching the product and um i 
I immediately gravitated towards Seth Rollins, who was a heel at the time, but he ah. hadn't been a heel that long, and he was he was a chicken shit heel at the time, and I just remember being like, that's actually like really good acting. He's doing like I can see that he's acting, but it's good. Like I'm you know, and I'm coming to it from more of like a film and and acting sort of perspective, and I I, I kind of appreciated that he was pulling it off. Papa thought he was super handsome. Um, so I liked him. I liked him first. He was one of my first people that I was like, "That's that's one of my guys." Um, and then when I went to uh, my first couple of indie shows, um, there were a lot of really great, you know, characters that I ran across. Um, but there's a guy. Um, I don't know where he lives now. I think he's out in California now. But there's this character. His name is Jervis Cottonbelly. And he wears, like, a yellow... He looks like Mr. Peanut in the face, kind of. He wears a yellow mask. Um, and he happens to have um, a cotton fur-covered belly. Okay. I don't know what he is. I don't. He's a very strange... Like, he's a singular character. Um, but he does really great stuff. Like, he'll... Someone will jump off the top rope. He'll catch them. And then he'll rock them to sleep. And then the referee will very softly count the one, two, three, and they're, you know, everybody, and he'll shush the audience, and everybody in the audience is like, shh, and that, everybody gets really quiet. That's amazing. <laughs> that's it's, great. It's hilarious. It's just hilarious. And, like, that's the kind of stuff that, like, if, if you only watched the mainstream wrestling shows, and I'm, I'm including AEW in that now because that's, you know, as mainstream in, in terms of it's got, you know, there's a syndication deal. It's live on TV once a week. Like, it's out there with WWE now. Um, if you just watch those shows, you're not going to get anything remotely as weird as what you'll get at an indie show. So, you know, I was like, I, I was into WWE. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. I, I get it. Um, but then when you, when I went to a local show or I started going to like smaller more indie promotions like that's when it really started clicking for me like this is this is fantastic and there's nothing else quite like it I got you really well said do you still watch like the the current WWE product you know with mania on the way or anything like that um so I, I went to WrestleMania last year yeah I was, was there in, okay yeah um so I went there last year just because it was so close I went the year before and it was in New Orleans just because I wanted to go to New Orleans so why not and it was great um I mean I, and and I do watch the, the pay-per-views but on a week-to-week basis it's really hard to um to pay attention to just because the product is so um transparently kind of suffering right now like it. Mm. We shouldn't, we as fans, like, it It became really cool to be kind of meta and be like, oh, well, there's the, you know, Stephanie McMahon, she's a, she's a character, but also she's literally in charge and, you know, Triple H is in charge. Like, I, I think that they were trying to be clever, and I think it worked for a little while. I don't think it works anymore, and knowing how, like, the cookies are made and stuff, like, it's not serving them anymore. So whenever I watch the show now, I just find myself being more irritated than appreciative, which is unfortunate because they're, I feel like they are collecting the best talent in the world and then doing nothing with them. Mm. Um, nothing good, really, you know. It, I mean, occasionally you see something cool, but, like, you know, you have a guy like Rusev who is a is a great character, and then they kind of just pooped on him, and he's trying to make <laughs> the best of it, and he's trying to spin it as you know this great thing, but it's it's not 
cool. It feels very disrespectful and gross. Like, um, you know, if I have to sit there and think, it's the same thing if you're going to go watch a movie and you start thinking partway through, like, that's a plot hole or, like, that doesn't make any sense or, like, what were they thinking here? Then it's taking me out of it. And, uh, you know, I find the experience, like, that's that's not something that I want to be able to put on a quality program when I'm going to take the time to actually watch TV. And WWE, for my taste currently, is, is not really putting out the best product that I that it could be. I get what you're saying, and, you know, I totally kind of understand, like, the way you're coming at it, like you say, how the cookies get made, you know, you had CM Punk kind of start to break the fourth wall a little bit, and, uh, you know, we have all these these wrestling sites and podcasts now, so we're kind of a little bit more behind the scenes, and it did work for a while, but that's actually a very interesting uh, way to put it, I I like what you're saying, and you got to kind of find that healthy balance uh, in this uh, art that is like no other form. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, it sounds like your heart is really in the indies, and, and here's a chance to name drop. Is there anyone that you really have your eye on that you've worked with or just anywhere else in the indies that you're like, hey, this is the guy, this is the girl, uh, I'm really pulling for them, I want to get signed? And then conversely, is there anyone in the, uh, you know, the NXTs, the AEWs, the WWEs that you really have your eye on? Um. Uh, Rhea Ripley, I really dig. Um, yes. Anytime, like I, I would just watch like the the May Young Classic was one of the best things that WWE yes. ever did. Yes, because they're just pulling in all this amazing women talent, and they normalized so quickly seeing women talent being really, really awesome and showcasing that that it doesn't feel weird that they're spending you know a good deal of every. Raw and SmackDown and NXT doing angles that have women in them and they aren't sexy, awful, gross ones anymore. Like that, that did a really, putting that together, they did a really great job with that. And I think uh, Rhea Ripley is really great. I, I dig her whole shtick, her whole style. We have similar haircuts, so I kind of root for her. Nice. <laughs> nice, nice. She's awesome. <laughs> um, in terms of like who's who's hot right now on like the indies i mean i don't know i would tell you chris Statlander, but now she's on aew we just so, we just um, interviewed her on on sat it's so weird that you said it. we just interviewed her on saturday over at WrestlePro, and she kept us on our t- i feel like she was messing with us the whole time she kept us on our toes and at the end she booped both our noses but she is she's got it i mean she, match of the night easily with ivalice and uh just her move set and you know every single kid wanted to you know boop her or do like the finger touch like the et thing like she's got it i I totally agree yeah she's she's one of those people who once she figured out what the groove was when she got in it she she lived the character and the mannerisms like you can tell that she put a lot into being that character and inhabiting the world of that character more importantly and then, of course, on top of that, she's just a phenomenal athlete. I mean, yeah. one of the best wrestlers out there, period, man or woman. She's just one of the best. I agree, and, 100%. Uh, and she's just, like you said, like she does. She will keep you on, you know, she did, um, I was listening to her. She did commentary on a WSU show recently, and we were all trying not to crack up because it would it would get picked up by the microphones. But we were, like, dying. We were, like, hands over mouth trying not to crack up. She's amazing. 
it, it's 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 fun, not to go off on, on a tangent here, but I'm a huge fan of her, so it's great that you brought up the name. But like, we started interviewing her, and I always put together these nice intros for everybody, and they always go great. And everyone's like, oh, like thank you so much for the intro. You know, I put a lot of work into that, and she she cut me off a few times and said, oh, well, this is this, and and I'm thinking, oh, we're getting off on on the terrible wrong foot, and this is gonna be awful. But she was like screwing with us, you know what I mean? Like it's definitely oh, yeah. no no other interview like it. But she's she's fantastic, so you know the deal. <laughs> Yep, that's that's her to a T, and I think that that's part of like the, that um, attitude and that style. The fans kind of see it, no matter if she cuts a promo or not. It's in her. It's in the way that she moves. It's in the way that she carries herself. The way that she like makes eye contact or does something weird at the other person in the ring with her. Like she's just, she's just so so confident. And that's a that's a huge hurdle that a lot of wrestlers spend literally years getting over is is feeling confident in the ring. And I know people who've been in the business twenty, thirty years, and they'll come into the locker room afterwards and be like, "Oh, that was I I, I, I screwed that up. That was terrible." It's like there is there's you're you're never done learning in wrestling. You're never done improving. And I think that some. Some people, especially when they're first starting out, that really throws them for a loop because you can be incredibly confident in the rest of your life, but if you can't, you know, if you can't do a tip up or something, that's going to bother you. Yeah, oh, totally. And very, I, I dig what you're saying. It sounds like you have a lot of insight on this. Um, now, I don't know if you wanted to touch on this or, or not. We kind of talked about this a little bit. Rumor has it that you you have stepped into the ring as a competitor, or there was a persona at one point. Do you want to get into that, or are we passing on that one? <laughs> no, you know what it is. I um I trained for a hot second at Chikara, and then oh, realized wow. that the yeah the amount of uh, time that I would have to spend aside from training just to get to a place physically where I could even do the moves without gassing out. Like it was. At the time, it just there was no way I could fit all of that into my schedule. So I was like, I'm going to pull out from this from now, and then maybe I can revisit it down the line. Maybe I can't. And then, um, you know, ring announcing is kind of ring announcing and commentary. Like I still get to be there, but I don't have to put my body at risk. So it's it's kind of a really great deal. But um, Shakara is very much into masked characters and they yeah. have like 30 different ants like there's a fire ant and <laughs> a you know like a snow ant and like a mountain rescue ant like literally there were so many ants and um there's like a frog like they're very zany like that's their thing and um when i was there i was like i was saying i was going to develop a character named the feeble lobster who was just who would just be the jobber just <laughs> come out and just be terrified the whole time, and then immediately get squashed by whoever. Um, because a lot of times that's, you know, you see it on, on WWE sometimes, they'll have Elias come out, and it's like, who is that guy in the ring? They're already in the ring, they don't even introduce them. Like, yeah. that guy is going to get smashed by whoever. And so, I, you know, I was going to, that, that's, that's a... Um, they call it paying your dues in the business, and that's right. one of the ways when you're training and you're starting to come up, that's one of the ways you do it is by jobbing out to somebody else. And so that was going to be my jobber persona, the feeble lobster, and I would just come out and just kind of shake like I would have the uh, claws, and they would kind of clack like I was shivering, like trembling. Yeah. <laughs> and then I would immediately get slammed. So that was going to be my thing. I never got to do it, though. Uh-huh. Um 
costumes and stuff cost money. Um, yeah. So, so I, I never got that far into it, but I always wanted to put on a mask and be the feeble lobster. That, that's, that sounds amazing. Someone's just going to hear this podcast and totally steal that character now. I already know it. But, um, just steal to, it. I don't, I don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> take it. <laughs> but, you know, going out there and beating up some jobber that's a lobster, that sounds pretty uh, shellfish to me. So <laughs> there it is. There it is. I was waiting for it. You said you might do it. <laughs> yeah, I had, to, I had to get one in there. Um, let's talk. Uh, so sorry. So I I wanted to talk to you a little bit about stuff outside the wrestling. You know, we always talk wrestling on the podcast. Uh, have any hobbies or any other interests outside of uh, the wrestling world right now? Um, so I have a, a regular, you know, day job. We call it a shoot job in yep. wrestling. Um, yep. and so beyond that, I'm actually a writer and I got oh, yeah. my, my, my very expensive MFA and everything. Um, so I've written a chapbook, which is like a, a chapbook is basically like a novella, but for poetry. Okay. Um, and I've written a full-length manuscript of poetry, so both of those I'm, I'm in the process of trying to get published. I'm, and uh, I also am an editor for a small independent press called Tolson Books. So um, when I'm not screaming into microphones, I'm very quietly editing books on my laptop. <laughs> That's cool. That's so awesome. Yeah, I do a little bit of writing myself, and it's just it's really cool. Um, more more so like reviews and, and interviews that, that I transcribe and stuff like that. But there's there's really nothing like it. Just kind of something different to do, and uh, it's it's. I feel like I learn every time I do it for sure. Oh yeah, it takes discipline. So you know, the actually getting yourself to sit down and do it sometimes is like the the biggest accomplishment ever. You feel so awesome when you've actually you, you're walking around all day long with thoughts swirling in your head, and when you finally make yourself sit down and start a draft, even though the first draft is terrible because it's always terrible. <laughs> you know, getting that work done is like so gratifying. Absolutely. Very, very well said. And uh, Rissa, I, I wanted to ask you, what is the ultimate goal? You know, it sounds like your heart really is in the indies, but is the goal to be like the next, you know, not necessarily Lillian Garcia or anything like that, but to be in that WWE ring, to be in that AEW ring, New Japan, is that the goal? Um, do you just kind of want to stay in the indies? What What is the dream? Um. So there's a couple people that have been in this line, you know, before I got here, um, and they go out to, they're booked every single weekend, um, multiple days, you know, every week, you know, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they've got to show each one of those days, and they're, they're traveling, you know, across states, and doing hundreds and hundreds of promotions, and, and those guys are, are great, um, those people are amazing, um, I don't feel like it's something that I'm ever going to be tapped and be like, oh, you're, you know, you're the one. We want you at WWE. Like, I'm too weird looking. You never know. You never know. I'm like, I'm like androgynous and I got a pointy beak like nose. Like, I don't satisfy the criteria of being like a pleasant looking woman, nor do I carry like the prestige of a man doing it so like i think that i only work on the indies i think that i the indies are the place where you get to just be your weird funky self so i don't foresee that being a thing and i also am pretty picky about where what organizations that i work for so i don't like i'm not gonna go to 
you know, I'm not going to go out into like and drive 11 hours straight to go to a show right, and then right. drive 11 hours back for not even enough money to pay for my gas and totals. Like, I'm just not going to do that. Like, it's not, it's, I consider it to be a hobby. It's not really a profession because, I don't know, I, I do other things with my time than, like, I, you know, I can't, I write, I do, you know, I, I edit. I have some, at any given time, I have like seven or eight different things that I'm working on because I'm a very scattered individual. So I don't, I don't really see it being a thing that I could do unless, Somebody from, you know, AEW wandered up and was like, hey, it's got to be you, which is not going to happen. It could Um, happen. No, it totally could happen. (laughs) Well, but for me, it's kind of, you know, it's it's for the love of the game, you know. I I do it because I enjoy it. Um, I really love the fans that I've met. Like, you know, I see a lot of the same people that are really loyal and they come out to all the shows. And it's really great to get to kind of see them and connect with them. And I've met a lot of really great people. You know, you can meet people that, you can meet super famous people just doing an indie show because they, you know, they will show up. So if if the money's good, which I don't have anything to do with, luckily, um, but you get to meet, you know, I get to meet really amazing talent. I get to meet legends just on the indies. That's the great thing about wrestling is that the wrestlers never really stop coming out and appearing because the crowd never stops loving them. So I get to still meet some really great um, people who have been in the business forever and ever. I get to see the talent that I'm like, one day that person's going to be, you know, soaring to ridiculous heights. Um, and then, you know, I, I get to really have a great time and, and be a part of a show that even even the, the smallest little indie show, there's never a lack of give a damn. Everybody at the show, whether there's five people or 500 people, Everybody who's helping put on that show is giving you 100%. So no matter how many people are in the crowd, it's it's kind of immaterial. You're still going to get the same experience. And that's kind of one thing that I find really amazing about wrestling that kind of sets it apart. Like, I've been in bands before. Nice. And we'll go out to a show, and, you know, there'll be, like, five people there, and, like, you know, your mom doesn't even show up. And you're yep, like, yep. oh, and it, and it affects your, you know, performance. Or, like, you're like, get smoky, and you're like, no, 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 my art, my art. But it's, <laughs> it's kind of, um, because it's sort of like a, because wrestling is very, like, collaborative. It's like, you have no idea what the show is going to do until you're doing it. So it's like, I'm kind of, every time I go, I'm just sort of curious, like, how's this going to go? I have no idea. <laughs> and it's kind of, there's something sort of magical about that. And because it's, you're working with other people, you don't have time to get hung up and, and sulky if there aren't as many as many people there as you wish, like, it's, it's, it's always going to be a great time, no matter what, across the board, so, I mean, as hobbies go, you can't really ask for more than that. Yeah, that's awesome, and, and I like kind of what you were saying at the end there, um, so, Arissa, and again, you never know, like, you know, the, you know, we're calling this kind of the year of the signing spree, you never know who's going to see you and give you a card, you never know what's going to happen, you you're, you got a great vo- voice for it, you do a great job in the ring and on commentary, so I did want to ask you, actually, your advice, maybe to someone like me who just has a small podcast, maybe to someone who wants to get in that commentary booth at the table, any advice for any of these uh, up-and-comers that kind of want to do what you're doing? Well, you're doing the best possible thing, which is having a podcast. 
Mm. Because you're you're on the hook to have these kind of conversations with strangers, and you have to pull them off, and yeah. you have to make them work, no matter what. You you know, once you hit that record button or whatever, um, it's off and running, and you just got to roll with it. And that's a really great experience to have. In terms of um, doing commentary as a craft and, and getting good at it, I mean, you're you're only going to be able to do that by. Um, experiencing it and just trying it and you'll see quickly what works for you and what doesn't work for you because it's very specific to every individual person it's very specific to whoever you're doing commentary with um, so one thing that I used to do a lot and it, it, it wasn't officially for this purpose but it ended up working out that way is you know I would be watching wrestling on TV with a couple of friends and we would kind of just start doing live commentary at each other. Nice. Um, and I think a lot of people, I, but I think a lot of people can relate to that. If you're at your buddy's house and you're watching wrestling, you're going to talk about it. You're not just yeah. going to sit there and stare at the screen and not make eye contact with each other. Right. Yeah. Um, so doing a, doing a podcast, there's a lot of people doing podcasts. Anybody can do them. Um, it's definitely a survival of the fittest kind of thing, and I think that's kind of as it should be. So that's a, a great way to start. Practicing with somebody is a great way to do it. But honestly, you get into this business, like 90% of it is being in the right place at the right time. Um, there are some people who kind of pay to be on shows, and I don't recommend anybody do that ever. You should never pay for your own time to be taken up by somebody else. Like, that's insane. Um, but some people do do it because they want to be a part of something. Like, I get it. Um, I don't think it's a really great way to endear yourself to anybody because word will get around, you know, for the people who are like, oh, they had to pay to be on that show? Uh, so um, yeah. I, would kind of, I would kind of discourage that. But um, paying your dues is a huge part of the business, so... It's really about just consistently showing up. If you want to work for an organization, you got to show up to that organization. If they have a training school, even if you don't have the money to do training, or maybe you don't want to be a wrestler, but you want to do commentary, you want, you know, there there are places that have there are training schools that if you are around long enough and you express an interest in it, eventually they will put on a dojo show. Eventually, they'll put on some kind of a student exhibition, and they'll probably give you a shot if you annoy people enough. Not in a scary way. <laughs> don't stalk. Don't follow people to their car. But if you are, if you make your intentions known, um, and if you take yourself seriously, because a lot of people kind of just show up with a dream, they don't think it through, and they just kind of sit around and hope that someone will tap them. And that's not really how it works. Um, you got to take yourself seriously first and foremost because no one else is going to if you don't. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of soul searching I think that people should do before they approach anybody because the last thing you do you want to do is walk up to somebody that you idolize and start rambling incoherently at them. And I watch it happen sometimes and it's painful. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but if you're if you're at if you're in college. Go to your go to your college radio station if you have one. That's literally what it's there for is to train you as a student in most cases how to do it. Um, there's community radio stations. Put together a pitch. If you can't be bothered to put together a pitch and make an appointment to go talk to somebody, 
you're not going to make it anywhere. So, you know, you got to, you got to put in a little bit of work. You got to think about what you want and you got to focus on how you want to manifest it. So, I mean, it's just like anything else. It's, it, I used to uh, I used to be an adjunct professor, and the last thing that I would tell okay. people at the end of at the end of their at the end of the semester or whatever um, was my my advice to them was three things: show up, number one, number two, on time, mm-hmm. and on time is early. Yep, yep. <laughs> early, early is on time. On time is late. That's right. And three, and three, give a damn. Like, really actually care. And a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable like that. A lot of people want to be flippant and dismissive and and act as though they could take or leave something. Nothing ever got done by people who could take or leave something. Right. So. Very well said. It's it's a combination of giving, give, give yourself permission to care enough about something that you will put yourself in a position that somebody might say no to you, but ask anyway. Wow, that was really long-winded. No, that was like <laughs> no. You wrapped it up in a neat little package there. That that was super inspiring. And Rissa, where I don't you know, little shameless plugs as we always like to do here on the BCP. Where can everyone follow you on social media, all that good stuff? Um, I'm on Instagram at Rissa Pappas, R I S A P A P P A S. I'm on Twitter at Rissa Pappas. I'm on Facebook as uh, Rissa Pappas. I think. Not the, there. You'll not, find me. Not not as the lobster, just as Rizzo Babs. No, yeah. no, no feeble lobster no for me. That's up for grabs. I officially I release <laughs> that. That that is out in the world now, and I hope somebody picks that up. You you, you heard it here first. Hey Rissa, before we get out of here, if you wouldn't mind doing me the honor of giving me a this is Rissa Pappas and you are listening to the Bob Culture Podcast, maybe in a very uh, ring announcer sort of way. Could I get something like that before we get out of here? And making his way to the ring from the Bob Culture Podcast, it's Bob! That was beautiful. My, my life is now that's complete. Basic, that's basically what I do. I just, I scream a lot. I'm sorry if that was very loud. No, that was, that was exactly what I wanted. That's amazing. No one's ever done that for me. I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm at WrestleMania. This is amazing. <laughs> Rissa, thank you so much for a few minutes. Uh, best of luck in, in your future, and we'll talk to you again soon, and we'll come see you at some shows real soon. All right? All right. Thanks a lot. Thank you. An absolute honor. <laughs>